and welcome back to another episode of the Deductionist Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, guys. Bienvenue. Ni hao. Guten Abend. Sebelum. Guardian. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> I, I like that moment because that was all, all of the languages, but in the most English way I could possibly do them. <laughs> like, I, it always cracked me up. Did you ever watch the Fast Show? Yeah. Like there was, um, the there was the guy, yeah, there was the, uh, the, the considerably richer than you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was, that was Harry Enfield and chums, but the same people anyway. Was, yeah. But there was one, there was one guy who learned yeah. Spanish. He go, I, I'll have two beers over here, per favore. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's what always rings in the back of my head when I'm speaking other languages now. <laughs> per favore. All right, mate. Ni hao. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the fast show, the way I've been talking to people recently, because I've just uh, I've been aware of the gobbledygook that I speak, and I thought as long as I get in a couple of decent sentences, it'll be all right. And I've seen this on the fast show, and it's that sketch of the bloke who's giving the football uh, readout, and he's just like, "Well, can you tell us what happened in the game?" Well, he's just coming up there, but he couldn't see it. But he cracked it. But it was it was a, a big fucking kick. And <laughs> but anyway, caught the ball. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> no, to me, that, that's that's the way I felt when I watched most of the football stuff because I I grew up watching football and yeah. casually learned to despise every single element of it. <laughs> sort of the older and wiser that I got and I I always thought that was based on a there was a guy called Alan Hansen he had this really thick Scotch accent he was he was all, all right down here he'd be like oh it's absolutely terrible defending it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a ball down there mate you just okay? the character for a second then <laughs> it was great I, I thought my chin disappeared into my neck I didn't really know where I was going I with that, that sort of sweat on the back of my neck when I'm talking about football because I generally thought we were talking about football for a minute. <laughs> Just pulled it off. <laughs> like, I could probably talk more about why the earth is flat than I, I could talk about football. Same. To be honest. I think a, a flat earth theory is more plausible to me than... than liking football. I've probably just offended a, a lot of people. Well, that's... <laughs> If if you look at, I'm I'm going to try and use a ridiculous segue. I mean, there, there's something there. It's there, almost, nearly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, prom you promised Becky you wouldn't do that anymore. I, <laughs> I haven't but, said the p word. The, the, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a really boring p word then that it could possibly be. Um, <laughs> Prog prognosticate. Um, there we go. <laughs> Prolapse. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's done it again. Um, but if you if you think about it, there is a, a grand logical flaw mm. in the way that most football fans think about the the quintessentially nerdier realms. You know, like yeah. the the way they think about uh, cosplay and conventions and comic books and yeah, you like say hate that so, stereotype. <laughs> yeah, so. You're taking the piss out of people for dressing up like what they're a fan of and going to a convention where there are thousands of other people who are into yeah. the same thing, reading books uh, that are based on the thing that they like and gradually talking about it all the time. How the smeg is that any different to football? 
<laughs> All you need to do is replace words. Exactly. You have the same conversation. Anyway, there's everybody's <laughs> turned off now. They're like, this can't be the deductionist podcast. What's what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gents, welcome back. This is our this is our preamble conversation regarding a couple of topics that me and Adam just well it's really one topic but we wanted mm. to explore just uh, maybe a little bit further because to follow this we've got an interview with the man the myth the trouser snake that is Mr. James Brown um, now <laughs> for the for the regular oh I nearly said regular fans that was a bit pretentious for the regular listeners uh, <laughs> of the show uh, you'll know that we've we spoke about James more than on more than a few occasions. He is uh, a, a phenomenal hypnotist, a world-renowned pickpocket, an incredible magician, and just an absolute stand-up guy. Yeah. Just a brilliant absolute, absolute stand-up guy. Yeah. The one of the most down-to-earth dudes. I've, Humble. I've ever Humble had, coming out of his arsenal. Yeah, I've I've ever had the joy of speaking to. Um, <laughs> And we got the chance to to pick his brain regarding his his thoughts and actions and how he does things, you know. So it, it sort of transcends the whole experience of uh, reading somebody within a hypnotic setting, uh, maintaining a certain degree of authority and persuasive tactics whilst picking their pockets, or you know, a, a standard magical performance, which is no mean feat in and of itself, especially some of the shit that James does. <laughs> um, there was uh, there was a, si- a side note thing. There was a, a routine on one of his DVDs. I, f- I forget which one. Where he the, there's a there's a famous uh, card trick where the card keeps appearing back under the box, and it's it's very misdirection in its uh, in its method. And I'm being purposely blasé about that because I don't really want to talk about the mechanics too much for obvious reasons. But the card keeps appearing back under the box. James's yeah. James's little version of that was the card keeps appearing in the spectator's pocket, and then eventually the whole <laughs> deck just appears in the spectator's pocket. And like, there's no there's no gimmicks or tricks or anything. That's just him being an absolute <laughs> badass. But anyway, so it it we we won't say too much more about the James Brown interview because I I really want that to speak for itself. Yeah. But w- what it got us thinking about afterwards is, and particularly with a few of the articles that I've seen in uh, in the Body Language Learning page on Facebook, it's fourteen thousand strong. It's run by Bob Pointer, that was uh, one of the policemen that we interviewed in one of the earlier episodes, and. Uh, the way that the humanistic experience regarding our, our, our sort of behavior and our our display patterns or tells, yeah, the way that's changed, don't you think? Because absolutely, most of the time we speak to people now, it's it's this yeah. is kind yeah. of that's there, isn't it? You're paying less attention, I suppose, in a subconscious level. You are doing things with your arms and legs and rubbing arms and where mm. arms go. But to be fair, the amount of things that you're just comfortable with doing now, like you just just fiddle, do something that you wouldn't normally do in normal conversation with your arms and legs. So mm. I think it'd be quite interesting to see what we're like once we can get that all back together again. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of us just lets out like the most embarrassing 
set of, you know, like uh, Lisa Flatulence, <laughs> forgetting. Oh, <laughs> the, you are actually you don't need a microphone Larry. now to, <laughs> to be pointing the way up to hear this. I, I can't mute you in in real life. Yeah. Why, where is that? What, what's happening? <laughs> it, it's it's all very uh, black mirror-y existentialism mm. kind of you know, surrealist view at yeah. interacting with people because yeah. the, the, the thing about this, and I've joked about it loads, you know, when, when I take formal calls, you know, that I've got, a, I've got a suit and tie on up here, but underneath I've got my Batman pajamas on. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's, that's something that uh, a lot of people take advantage of in confidence building is a way to make sure they are, they come across in the most erudite manner. Yeah. Um, but not only with the not only that, but with the best foot forward, because there's a kind of there's a kind of pseudo anonymity almost yeah. to this kind of environment. I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. We're having a conversation. It's face to face. It's live to all yeah. intents and purpose. You know, it's it's a normal conversation. But the second I do, <laughs> and instantly, oh. it, the whole scenario changes. I'm just a complete and utter weirdo sat here. Exactly. Talking to myself, yeah. Sometimes you can even sort of like, I suppose if you're aware that you're on camera, you're being recorded and suddenly you step out and you're like, oh shit, like I'm very much kind of like just being recorded. It's just me looking at myself. <laughs> it's sort of like a very sort of <laughs> self-reflective sort of like, I'm talking to a computer. I suppose if you told people in the past, like in the year 2020 and 2021, we'll be spend most of the year talking with our computers. And we literally are. <laughs> <laughs> but like... You command on, on, our jobs. On, on the flip side as well, I, th I think particularly for the people who are more, uh, more inclined towards people reading. Yeah. You know, People, I think it's a curiosity that everyone has thought about at some stage. Oh, I wonder what he's thinking. Oh, I wonder what yeah. she's thinking. You know, it's something that everyone's thought about. But I think for those of us, you know, who are more than likely listening to this, so if you look at the numbers, all nine of us, all nine of us that are listening to this <laughs> at the minute, it forces that that attention within yeah. you to be thinking, right? Okay, so I can only see from say the chest up. Yeah. How the hell can I figure out what the feet are up to? How how the yeah. hell you know? How can you know my left hand's out of screen now? How how the hell do you know what my left hand's up to right now? Yeah. Which sounds a lot less it sounds a lot more ominous than what it actually is. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> if go clean my, yourself up, <laughs> my, my left my left hand's just on my knee. That's all it was. <laughs> well, well, because obviously. Before all this sort of stuff, one of the, the things that happened to you quite a lot was you get people asking you, can you read me? Once you've figured out your profession and what mm -hmm. you do, they'd ask you, can you read me? Can you tell what I'm doing? And I remember like you say me, obviously, because it's all from your observation skills and people reading skills. But now that we're doing conversation this way, have you had anybody contact you on Zoom? Have you talked oh. to people and have they said the same thing? Come on, read me. Yeah. Is it a yeah. different setup for you now, obviously? Like, how do you? I suppose, how do you go about that? <laughs> well, like, it, it's, um, there was a, there's a, there's been a couple of guys that have contacted yeah. me about the courses that I run, right? And naturally, with, with all of them, uh, as, as soon as you tell them what it costs, you know that you're never going to speak to them again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like, that's, that's the main thing as well. So most of the time, I, I know the question's coming, and it, it's yeah. it's either going to be from a curiosity standpoint, 
or it's going to be from a test standpoint because let's face it the the boldness of the claim to be able to read people is something yeah. that requires requires proof right which you know i i'll be honest most of the time i either turn down or ignore now because i've i've been i've been jumping like a dancing monkey towards tests and lessons for for exactly. years yeah. for years but when it does come up yeah. you look at this little snapshot of reality that you've got right so you, you look at this little snapshot of reality so first of all if if i try and talk you through this but about me yeah and i'll i'll use my pose so if you look at my right hand, first of all, I'm not holding onto my cheek to keep my hand up. So I must be leaning on something. Yeah. Right? So, you know, for example, from how far away the computer is from you and the fact that it doesn't wobble all of the time, like yeah. a laptop does when it's on your lap, you know, it's got to be a desktop. Yeah. You know, from the distance of away from it is that it can't be a computer stand. Right. So you start to have a little bit more information about the way I feel about technology, mostly yeah. because I, technology is, a, you know, it's a it, it goes along with breathing nowadays. It's just there. Yeah. But, but people, <laughs> people, people feel differently about it to, toward, towards other people. If the computer table was there, it's it's purpose bought. You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, a luxury item that disposable income has gone has gone on to serve a purpose because you're spending a lot of time there right yeah. so you then look at my left hand mm -hmm. now if you were to stand up and hold your left arm at this angle it's 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 kind of a <laughs> kind of a misnumber so you know it's got to be leaning on something else which from that angle has got to be one of two things it's either got to be a continuation of the table or it's got to be some something else or my leg mm. right so either one of those things means there's items within easy reach for me to make myself comfortable for me to make myself comfortable on items that aren't uh, of a chair with arms like a purpose-built computer chair tells you a little bit more about the environment that I'm in the fact that I spend a lot of time here but I'm relatively uncomfortable so I'll be fidgeting and move around to try and make myself comfortable right yeah the fact that so you start to build build out different ideas about how I feel towards technology once you understand about how I feel towards technology you can put that in line with what you know is yeah. only allowed during COVID so it's it's zoom meetings it's YouTube it's uh Netflix it's uh, uh, uh I don't know music creation yeah. it's photoshop oh, yeah. it's it's, I mean, it's any one of those things so that will tell you about how i feel towards that environment yeah boom that's a lot of information regarding a personality definitely yeah. forgetting forgetting the clothes and the uh the particular adornments as well you get a look into my house right so yeah. i've i've this much like the way i feel about reading somebody's uh social media profile or dating profiles these are these are photos or videos of a place in my world, in my reality, that I am comfortable showing you. Yeah. Yeah. If if it wasn't, then you wouldn't see it, <laughs> <laughs> right? And if you asked a question, say you asked a question about Mjolnir over there, yeah. And I and I showed some sort of oh embarrassment about it, right? That again will either show you that. I've not paid enough attention towards this technological setup, which adds a further strength to the cluster of how I feel about technology. Yeah. Or you've got some feelings and genuine insight regarding how I feel 
about things of a of a comic book lilt. You yeah. Know, which, if the big Deadpool hoodie wasn't a giveaway already, <laughs> you know, you you get the little snapshot of the photo behind me, some press up stands. Yeah. This is a little window into their world that they don't mind showing you. Mm. Like, like even yours, for example, you know, you, you, there might be those people that would see go, okay, well, he's, he's sat under some stairs, right? But, but the, there's only particular kind of houses that you can do that in, yeah. you know, that, which cost a particular amount of money, which I, I get a, a slight window into what, I, you know, I know that it's your lounge, but based on what I know about houses, I can see a sofa. Sofas yeah. are collected traditionally in the lounge. So it's a fair inference and inductive observation then that you're sat in your lounge, right? Yeah. So you don't have uh, things like a, an office or a purpose-built room or a particular place yeah. that you want to go and be private and take calls. So, you know, that what you get a little window into your reality and what you do there and the, the comings and goings. So I can reasonably infer more material in that the room would keep going because the, tea, the, 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 the sofas they're not going to be point, pointed at a wall. Yeah. If there's no sofa, uh, oh, getting all my words back. <laughs> if, there's, if there's no TV, yeah, they're going to be pointing at each other, so people can converse. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, th this isn't a Joey uh, element when he asks you why you haven't got a TV and what all your furniture is pointing <laughs> at. But th this is this is what I mean about this type of thing. So yeah, absolutely, be because I'm interested particularly in in uh, in this world obviously mm. uh for for doing it as well as as long as what i have there's been a couple of guys that have contacted me so far there was a guy in um in chicago who contacted okay. me about a couple of classes and he well, he's, t he's taking a zoom call through the streets which is oh, wow. which is fair enough which is fair enough right you know which but even still that's a, a window into his reality that he yeah. doesn't mind showing me yeah right he's got a so, comfortability with his environment Exactly. Comfortable street with his savvy. environment. He's street yeah. savvy. He was wearing a mask. He's got a tote bag on that was very heavy, you know, so I, he wasn't driving or on the bus or in a cab. Yeah. You know, he was walking. So he lives local. I got a little idea in terms of the type of houses that were there. I could tell from the time zone what the weather was like over there. So I know I know he's American because I'm talking to him. And yeah. uh, you know, so I can try and figure out sort of along similar areas in terms of where he might be. Hmm. You know, this all starts to pull apart just from a few observations about this. And I, I, I think that, that's crazy knowing that you can get that from literally like the margins aren't even that big, really. They're not because the, the, per, the so person much. takes up a great deal of yeah. it. <laughs> and it's not this that the main thing in the actual obviously display itself that gives off where the actual person. Obviously, when you would do this out and about with someone, you would obviously be meeting up uh, to do some there. It'd be a situational thing. They couldn't control the background. You wouldn't really, unless you had gone to their house and you were reading them like that. But more than likely, you'd probably be meeting up outside. So this is the yeah. first time, I think, where I've seen this guy. Like, it's challenging to look. It's like an outside-the-box sort of thing. It's not to do with this. It's to do with that. Yeah, And that's sort of like, do you find that refreshing for yourself? Is that a new I way of it. looking at it? Yeah. I, I, I love it because from a from a people reader's perspective, you, you should consider this a fucking gold mine. <laughs> and I, I, I say that unashamedly brash, mostly because I, I want you to understand 
how valuable this is, right? Yeah. Because if you think about 95% of the time, unless you work in the security field or policing or some form, yeah. when, when you are going to read someone or you're asked to read someone or something, it's in an environment where people have gone through uh, cleaning regiments in order to leave the house. You know, mm. most people don't leave their house with their hair a mess. Not so much of a problem for me these days, but a hair up here, you know, women don't leave with makeup smeared. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of them do, but like th that's the own story in and of itself. Like, uh, but if they're going out, you know, it's all smart clothes, wash, shower, shave, smells. So stripping away everything that would provide some real juicy. Uh, evidence and information whereas this i'm in your house yeah you know <laughs> un un unless i'm your friend your family or in a relationship with you or your dog <laughs> I, you know i i aren't Ain't i aren't that. gonna yeah i aren't <laughs> uh, that, that was a weird moment that was a weird moment that can we take out of context yeah because <laughs> th th this is somewhat phallic of an object as well um, <laughs> but essentially the only people that would get to view that type of environment are those that are close to you so yeah. from an outside perspective now this is a gift from the deductive gods Definitely. and I think the more you can learn from this experience the more you can take with you because say for example there are those that have watched this um uh, this podcast visually from the start from when we me and you started doing it you've then got a visual baseline in in terms of the goings-on for our particular households here yeah. right so if there's at any point you know uh Mjolnir has moved or the, there are envelopes there that weren't there before or weren't there before that are now here what kind of envelopes why why are they stuck in there in such a haphazard fashion What's my mask doing there? Is yeah. the chalk is the chalk volume gone down any further? Right, the things that <coughs> people might get from you are the uh, are the washing piles that that often sit atop the uh, the sofa there. The arrangement of the cushions on the far chair the other side mm. tells you maybe who's been sat on it. You know, if you've had any guests around, obviously not during the COVID times. <laughs> we've had no one, no one. <laughs> we've, had, we've had no one around. You know, not unless you've done a, a pretend tea party. Which you, just, weird. you definitely haven't come from behind the stairs. No, no <laughs> not, not at all. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we were all just as deeply upset by that uh, as, as well. The fact that uh, people I stormed the capital because of it, mate. It's... Yeah, it was. It's <sighs> outrage. There's panic on yeah. the streets of Stoke on Trent, <laughs> looking like a ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> we are far too on street to be able to do that mate we should we should both never ever ever do that again with some compton yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was so painful <laughs> and the, the, like the worst part about it is is that that's just that's me as well like you know <laughs> I, 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 I might come across as this you know alternative big tattooed idiot but like i'm just this awkward cumbersome <laughs> i always think deep down our souls sound like this <laughs> yeah, yeah like, okay yeah all right 
which will go back to the fast show with that. I, 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 I want to grow up to be that old man that sits in his high back leather Chesterfield chair and goes, Pebble Anderson. Big hat. Big, really big hat. And he's finished the whole thing. He was very, very drunk. <laughs> it's brilliant. Right? It's fantastic. What, what, we're trying to say through all of this, guys, is though your connection to real human beings might have changed, it's not gone, mm. right? So there are those that are concerned that they might miss a step or not be as sharp on the way out. If anything, what you've what you have here is more more of a chance to refine. Yeah, refine what it is that you do because if you don't do this for work you aren't presented with as many opportunities to confirm what it is that you're seeing like like yeah. this this type of situation you know absolutely i think as well like this year it's gone to pretty it's if anything put the uh, the insights towards people into overdrive the less connected we've been allowed to become the more connected we have become because of like technology like this mm. And if you just look at the past year, how I like the things that have come to the forefront, like anxieties, uh, fear, uh, or just positivity, people trying to be creative in the houses, that kind of thing, or some have suffered uh, and people have suffered who you wouldn't like, they may suffer from things that you didn't know they were suffering off. Like a lot of truth has come to the front and a lot of things have been opened up. And in a way we've come out of this year knowing a lot more about ourselves and other people than we would have ever thought in a normal year, that kind of thing. If if we've ever had a normal year <laughs> on planet Earth. Well, but, well yeah, exactly. You know, you yeah. should become richer for the human experience that you can give to other people as, as a result. And that's not anything as as hippie sounding as as what it is on the surface, yeah. because dick, dickheads are everywhere, right? Death, yeah. You you look at keyboard warriors that that troll. Like uh, I I got one on one of my YouTube videos. It was a comment that was held for review. Uh, it was something along the lines of uh, shut up and get on with it. Stop pausing the video so often. You're a fucking idiot. No wonder you haven't got 5,000 subscribers. <laughs> uh, like that, On the surface of it, that's really mean. Yeah. Right. But what that provides what me with is what that provides me with is a window into his life. Absolutely. Yeah. Short, short, yeah. Short spell of attention. Right. He'd spelt a couple of words wrong. So maybe he has a a, a, a reaction emotionally towards particular scenarios. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying he's by any means less intelligent, but what I mean is when you're reacting to something on such an angry level, you tend yeah, to not pay not attention. Yeah, right. So that tells me about his character. You know, I had a quick butchers at his channel. This this guy doesn't post any videos; he just comments. Yeah. Clearly, clearly yeah. about for trolling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I could be blinded to that experience as a result, but he might be stuck in his room one room uh you know with 89 wild animals around him that he can't feed and parents that hate him he might yeah. be having a shit life so you know as as much as exactly right you know so as much as i could take that personally i can use that as an experience to grow on a stoic perspective make yeah. myself stronger so it allows me to be there for other people as a result but also learn from a value, valuable experience in in reading reading this yeah. fellow, 
And uh, most people that, like that as as kind of yeah. like it's an insight into angry introverts, yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as opposed to sort of like you know constructive extrovert. I know you can have it the other side, but that's how I always see, especially the fact that you said no videos. Uh, and obviously the comments, and he was just commenting all the time. It's it's very clear that he's not out. He's outspoken, but yeah. within a safety buffer, so yeah, it doesn't exactly. come back on him. Exactly. <laughs> you won't know Pseudo- his face. You won't know him. Pseudo anonymity. You know, he didn't yeah. even have a profile picture. Which there you go. No, it's it's fair enough. But with that in mind, guys, listen. James Brown is about to talk to you. He's about to drop some some verbal knowledge. So we should call him like a knowledge bay. Uh, <laughs> That's what he is, knowledge bait. That just looks oh, no, like I'm, I'm doing like I'm a, a fab- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing a fabulous like duck impression. <laughs> and, I'm doing uh, Spider-Man. That's it. When I say fab- <laughs> when I say fabulous, I mean fabulous. Not not like really. I was quite proud of that. That was that was that was very sort of that was very mobile. Uh, anyway, guys, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Here's James. Sorry, guys. And welcome back to another episode of the Deductionist Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, We have a very special guest for you this evening. There's a free sentence containing the word guest. Um, For those of you who may want to remember him, the man, the myth, the legend, I'm a huge fan. Thank you very much for tuning in. Mr. James Brown, how are you doing, sir? I'm really good, thank you very much. Really good indeed. <laughs> I, I, it occurred to me uh, just before we started this recording, as, as you know, referring to the the deductionist podcast and the whole Sherlock Holmes image, that I, I, it rather looks at the moment like I'm broadcasting oh. this from your arch enemy's <laughs> hovel. That I have now suddenly stepped into the life and times of Moriarty as I <laughs> sit here in my little cottage planning your demise. It's perfect. <laughs> That yeah. How did Sherlock and Moriarty meet again via Zoom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very modern ah, the times. Ah, Sherlock, why did we never Skype? <laughs> Skype is for the old, Zoom is for the now. <laughs> I don't know why I went really deep with that. I don't know. Um, yes. That, sorry, that was kind of almost went into Marvel territory. Yeah. Of... <laughs> ah. You two can sort of like talk about why you chucked each other down a waterfall the last time you met. That'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but in fairness, that has nothing to do with the Sherlock mythology. That's just something we did. Oh, um, <laughs> Vivial Wednesday in March. That's, yeah. that's all that was. That was the honeymoon. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, have we set the tone already? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly what's happening. People aren't tuning in for the insight now. They're tuning in to now watch three grown men piss about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I seem to have this effect on, on, on whenever I get on somebody's podcast or discussion group. I, I got told by somebody, you always come in and lower the tone. I said, I don't intend to. It just sort of happens. That's That's been a running theme throughout all yeah. of these as well. I think... Um, <sighs> Within within the within the first maybe five ten minutes of the very first episode, we'd had a, a, at least two or three jokes about genitals. Um, the, yeah. the the whole time, it's. I think that was my first word. Yeah, as a baby or. <laughs> anyway, so the the reason the reason um, I, I I tracked him down through the foothills of Switzerland 
So I know. Sorry, that's a that's a different uh, a different story. Uh, the the reason I uh, the reason I track James down is because uh, as you guys who will, will be listening well know, he's um, he's popped up in conversation a few times due to the way you are able to think so clearly about what troubles um, so many a performer. James is. Uh, just just a phenomenal magician and through through many different facets many different accolades many different appearances he's developed a way of thinking um uh, about the actions taken during live experiences that most most can't achieve or ha no most haven't yet achieved is probably the best way of putting that um in in my opinion so I suppose it's it's uh, my my first question would be would be far too ambiguous. So I'll I'll, I'll try I'll try and I'll try and narrow so, it. In. So I'll step in with my third question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a list of twenty seven, of which I'm going to ask you four. <laughs> in reverse order. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's precisely what's going to happen. Uh, so so when it when it comes to you. Um, uh, I don't know, developing a, a new new trick or a new um, performance idea or a new skill set or a new steel that you perhaps haven't tried before. What are the what are the kind of steps that go through your mind about practicing something like that? Because you your area of expertise, in my my opinion of them, would live in a in a realm of what I would call real things because when it, when you look at the pickpocketing approach there's no way of tricking your way into that you have to do it you know when it looks when you look at the hypnosis side of things there's no way of tricking yourself into that you would you would be hypnotizing somebody hmm. so what, what sort of, what sort of steps are going through your head when you when you look about practicing something like that um I, so i i think weirdly i realized um from I say quite an early age, uh, but I suppose in a, arguably from quite an early age that uh, that it was not so much what you did, it was how you did it. And I don't mean that in in the sort of a, you know it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of twee way. But but from the sense that um, I don't know, I just I think I just intuitively experience life in such a way that. Uh, so I experienced life, which created a sense of intuition um, that uh, there's always more to it. I think I think it was always as simple as that, that I that I always recognized that there was more going on. Um, and uh, I think people always fascinated me and also the man manipulation of people. I mean, so I've got the weirdest back childhood. It's. <laughs> for me of course it wasn't it was just my childhood and it's only sort of retrospectively when people kind of go no James that was a really weird childhood <laughs> that wasn't normal that I have to go oh okay um so um I was born I was born up in um uh, Huddersfield up in Home Firth in sort of countryside uh, weirdly kind of this sort of house uh, my parents uh, said that you know uh it's no surprise that I feel as at home in my new home yeah. because it's literally where you began was, was, was the comment. Uh, but we lived in Yorkshire for, in Huddersfield for, I don't know, maybe four years of my life. And then we moved down to the South of England. 
Um, and, and there was a little bit of a gap where we did something else, but we ended up at a place called Samford Park, which was owned by uh, friends in the church, but there were a very wealthy family that owned this fancy caravan park and when you think of a caravan park you, you don't think of something you, fancy and caravan park aren't necessarily <laughs> synonymous terms for most people but if you could imagine I don't know if you could imagine a kind of an, an upmarket Butlins in the 1970s and 80s you know it was it was the place that you went to because you had money not because you didn't have money gotcha. uh, they had um they had this huge uh, ballroom uh, and it was a ballroom. It was like proper ballroom dancing was done. You know, this is where you went to do ballroom dancing and people who had money. And they had this Christie organ, this massive theatrical organ uh, that came, that rose up out of the stage, like one of the Wurlitzers, but, but wow. what's something called a Christie organ, which was even rarer than the Wurlitzers. Wow. This huge thing that came up out of the, the, the floor. Uh, and it was a big grand old affair and there was there was outdoor swimming pools that were designed to look like beaches, even though it was, you know, in the middle of, you know, <laughs> the countryside sort of thing. Um, and they had horse riding there. And, and, and of course, I, I, you know, half of the year, the place just outside of this little walled garden, which had lattice, you know, concrete wall with lattice holes through it. Yeah. Lattice work concrete wall. Uh, I was looking at this wonderland, this absolute ch child. And just imagine what a playground this was for a child's mind as I looked through this, at this just adventure playground there that my parents worked in and on. Um, so by the age of four, I was just literally climbing. I was scaling over this, this garden wall and just constantly escaping into this wonderland. No matter how many times I was told I was not allowed out, <laughs> I just went. Um, well, I'm my, anyway, so. Yeah, you know, uh, and, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't, I think that, again, the point is it wasn't, I'm, I know that might appear to be naughtiness, and I suppose there is a bit of disobedience there for sure, but it was just curiosity. That mm. all, that's all it was. I mean, if, if I couldn't have seen through the wall, I probably wouldn't have bothered. Yeah. 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 It, as simple as that. It, but because I could see through it and I could climb over it easily, mm. I did. Uh, that temptation was far too great. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and then very quickly, my parents kind of, I don't know, became very cool parents um, because they were cool parents and they realised, and, and obviously the times back there were very different as yeah. well. You know, they realised that, you know, that, that various points, because it was a massive park, at various <clears throat> points you'd have um, uh, people who'd then telephone back and go, oh, we've just seen James going by on his, on his, on his, on his little bicycle sort of thing, and they'd report back. So I was there, was, there was eyes watching me, even though I didn't know it. But I used to manipulate people. So, you know, Barry, these are holiday makers. They don't know that I live there. They just assume that I'm another little kid on holiday <coughs> with his family. And I used to, I used to hang around by the, uh, by the hot dog stand. <laughs> shivering and I used to be able to chat my uh, you know tap my teeth together chatter my teeth and I used to stand there kind of bedraggled you know covered half in mud like clothing sort of torn around me looking like you know my parents had just you know come to, you know and people were like yeah. oh, oh you poor thing and, and <laughs> like you live with Fagan Exactly. But, you know, this is this is the late 1970s, early 1980s. At that point, people didn't kind of go, there's a child on its own. Let's call the police. <laughs> what they really did is they went, oh, my goodness me, you poor thing. Here, have a hot dog. 
<laughs> off you go. Uh, you know, so I, I was, yeah, I suppose, I, I, again, I think it was just a case of even at that age, without really knowing it, all the seeds were being sown for this kind of understanding of manipulative behaviour. Um, but yeah, and, you know, and then life moved on and I did all sorts of other things in the meantime. And, you know, I came to magic as an adult, but it was a, it was an interesting thing that looking back, I had this very strange childhood with lots of variation that you know when we moved away from that place we then moved to uh, a, a, a wonderful place called Corf Mullen uh, in, in, in Dorset <clears throat> and it was wonderful because it had it had sort of inner city feel with all the housing but it was all on the doorstep of the wilderness and and wonderful um, um, heathland and, and forest area and and just a perfect playground for childhood with streams and trees to climb and that was my that was my entire childhood so you know now as an adult I look through that that thing and I am that sadly I've become that typical adult that goes oh youth of today you've got no idea <laughs> sat at home on your devices and the irony is I'm probably telling my child how terrible it is that they're sat on their device all the time and they're not going out and playing and what am I doing as I'm telling them this <laughs> Yeah, the grand it irony. Out, it turns out that we're as addicted to it as they are. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like your childhood was Alice in Wonderland yeah. slash the Truman Show slash the Hustle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Although I tell you what, the, the the one thing that I am pleased about, and I will just take this a moment as a forty-four-year-old man to gloat unbelievably, <laughs> none of my childhood got caught on camera. None of it got documented. There's no evidence. <laughs> yeah. All you, all you, all you sort of under whatever it will be now. It's it's probably like 20, 26, 27 year old. If you're younger than about twenty seven, mm. uh, your your life has been documented. Like everything that you've done, somebody took a picture of it oh, yeah. and posted it somewhere. Owned by Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Facebook owns it almost yeah. certainly. Yeah. And, 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 and I've got to be honest, I am, you have no idea that I can tell stories and anecdotes about what we got up to and I can edit that shit as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody, ain't nobody questioning this. <laughs> and, and the handful of people that could, because there's a, there's a couple of times I've mentioned something online and like one of my mates, like Kyle, a, a guy that I go back a long way with, Kyle has messaged me going, that's not quite how it happened, is it? <laughs> and I've messaged shut him up, back up, going, cool, no, cool. no, 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 no. I've messaged him back with, no, no, it's not. Just as there were a number of other things that didn't happen the way that somebody said they did. And at which point he replies back, good point, well made. <laughs> we'll be we'll be moving along now quietly, won't we? Yes, we will. I'll, I'll put my gun away and we'll. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have a drink at the bar instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very much down that route. Um, Standoff. Anyway, so uh, you asked me a question that started all of this, and I've kind of um, uh, managed to just avoid it with uh, some some tall tales and anecdotes. Uh, so you said about uh, creative. Yeah. So what what's what's going through your head when you are when you're developing a, a new yeah. thing that you're working okay. on in, in terms so, of your approach to people? So exactly. So that's I think my point with all of this is that my entire life has always been about uh, 
being attentive to people and being interested in people. I then went on, I became a nurse and I did all sorts of things in the caring profession. And I just became more and more and more interested in not just uh, um, what made them tick in that sense of to manipulate somebody, but actually what, what made them tick in a much more profound sense uh, mm. of a compassionate understanding. And don't forget that, that, that this life has also included um, more than its share uh, at times of uh, tragedy and trauma, which has meant that uh, my perspective on an awful lot of things is, is clearly filtered through of all of that stuff. Uh, and I think that, that whenever I've played with any idea, what's, what's been really at the heart of that process and, and certainly what's been at the heart of the process of any learning and, and development of a new skill, is the understanding of how um, what what the, what the foundations of learning are? You know how how do do as human beings whether you believe and and you know, we we can get tied up with language half the time, but whether you believe in a in an evolutionary theory or mm. a creative theory in any sense yeah. of our development mm. as human beings, uh, we are uh, developed to we have we have developed over over time. Uh, to behave in certain ways. And one of them is how we learn as human beings. And I think that there is profound difference between what history and biology tells us about our, our development uh, and, uh, and, and how we develop as, as youngsters. Uh, and then how we, we then go and continue our learning as adults. And it's like, we, we, it's like somehow along the line, we completely fail to pay attention to what really works on us. Um, and uh, so, so, so my interest has always been, look, if you want to be good at pickpocketing, uh, for example, what you don't do is you don't go and learn how to do lots of finely choreographed steals because it, it probably won't add up to anything other than you just being really good at finely choreographed steals. <laughs> but, it, but, but they only, they'll only work in very limited circumstances and for any, any very limited means, uh, mostly only on a mannequin that you've practiced yeah. on. Um, but if you really want to do it, then the skills that you actually need to learn aren't those. They are, uh, they are all your internal modes. They're all your internal thoughts and processes and how you interpret the world around you and, and how you realize that your own interpretation of the world has an effect on other people's interpretation of the world and so on and so forth. So now your, your demeanor suddenly means more than anything else does. Uh, and the skill set becomes nothing at all. I mean, take something like... A card trick and the irony is all of a sudden zoom is teaching us this as magicians i mean just i, just, I mean i'm not gonna breach any secrets i mean not that i think they matter half the time anyway but um <laughs> uh, something simple like a card trick like for, for whatever reason if i wanted to swap the two halves of the packet over as a magician yeah. uh, before uh, we moved into this territory i absolutely felt that the only way to do it was to do it so well with such an incredible <laughs> precision of sleight of hand that, that you could stare at it while I did it and not see a damn thing. Or yeah. that I would misdirect you with some, something incredibly clever so that you would miss it even though it was happening under your nose. Something sophisticated. Well, what the Zoom generation has made us realize is that actually what we could literally do is just drop it out of frame and then bring it back <laughs> up again. Because, because this model has shown us that, that one of the things that we're still doing is we're still filling in the gaps that the longer I talk to you on Zoom, even though that you're in a little square, yeah. the more my brain starts to imagine what is bleeding beyond the edges of that line. 
So, so even though even though my hand drops out of frame and comes back up again, it kind of didn't. As long as I'm drawn in and attentive to what I'm watching, it doesn't matter that it dropped out of frame because it never did. Because things always dropped out of frame in our minds and came back in. And we were always really good at adjusting for that discrepancy. It was just naturally part of what we did. So again, my interest has always been what brings us to these moments? Why do we feel the way that we do? Because if we nail those things down, the brain will always fill in the gaps. That's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about this. If you understand it, the brain will always fill in the gaps. You don't need to paint a perfect <laughs> picture. You just need to give enough of a structure and a framework so that the brain goes, oh, it's okay, I've got it from here. <laughs> sure you have. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and like anything else, any good deception at any level, and you have to understand, and I know that you do, that um, uh, if there is a battle of good and evil, it's, it goes on within each one of us as an individual. It's a choice 100%. that we make. It's an intended choice that we have more than anything else. Uh, uh, things in and of themselves aren't, aren't good or evil. It's the, in, it's the use and the intention that makes it right or wrong. Uh, so even down to the idea of uh, manipulation, the idea that understanding that what I say and the choice of what I say and how I say it and the environment I even say it in, mm. yeah, it just like everything all feeds into how another person will interpret that information and what they will do with it. So change this external ingredient in some way, I will influence what goes on inside. And the more I understand that, the more I can help that person to just lean towards a particular outcome, manipulation, yeah? But the intention behind that doesn't have to be, it isn't, is neither good, you know, the, the thing itself is neither yeah. good nor bad, it just is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah? so <clears throat> I think that you can absolutely learn all of these skills with a, with a real sense of positive intent because... Yeah, best will in the world, guys and girls out there. There are some people who need just to be lent in the right direction because for whatever reason, there's life circumstances have lent them in the wrong one. And, you know, I mean, we could go for, for days on some of these deeper topics, but I think that this is a fundamental principle that we kind of get wrong with most of the modern big arguments and, and, and race debates, etc. cetera. Yeah. But if you look back at the way it was done by Martin Luther et, et al, is they just got people's elephants to lean gently. Yeah, they said, hey, we're actually more the same than we're different, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we have shared values. Yeah, we have. Do you know what? Let's just gently lean in this better way of thinking. And we did, because that's how we work. Yeah. Nowadays, no, 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 no. No, we want to pull you off the elephant and shake you. And, oh, <laughs> and we're wondering why it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, there's that sort of incendiary response to to thinking about anything, you know, regardless of its high degree of importance or not. You know, it, it seems to be yeah. that, that that so many people are so quick to jump to this uh, emotional, really felt and personal, exactly. but enjoy, ira enjoy irrational state. Right. <laughs> I'm loving the little the, the army crawl behind you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want, if you if you want to just kind of throw in Mission Impossible music, <laughs> just to say, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, oh, incoming! No. <laughs> Go. 
out. All the ways Homework. before Moriarty would go out. <laughs> go on. You can go and watch the iPad. Go on. Your iPad's dead. Well, you're going to have to... Sorry, guys. You're going to have You're right. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're literally recording this. <laughs> yeah. Earlier when we were talking about those fun Zoom outtakes that people have when things go wrong. Yeah. We're going to add that to this collection. Right. Oh, so I was, so was going to say... I was going to actually say something uh, with regards to... Oh, I know what it was. Um, uh, without sort of hijacking things, something that I think is very, away. very worth thinking about so a lot of these things are just mindsets are, are framings because <clears throat> a very simple principle of existence is that you just walk down the station muppet <laughs> that worked as a sentence I mean, of, the principle of existence <laughs> is just walk down the stairs you muppet <laughs> oh, i mean Hey, actually, do you know what? Let's come back to this. A real principle of existence. Oh, you need to um, access thing, don't you? Sorry. A real principle of existence is um, be playful, actually. Yeah. Uh, that's, we'll come back to that in a second. But, uh, right, go. It should be fine. I, no, leave it down here, but it should be fine now. Uh, it's open. If you need it, it is here, but just come and get it, all right? Um uh, a big principle, I think, of life is is actually about playfulness. But part of playfulness is 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 a profound thing of understanding what we do and we don't get um, het up about, and why we do and don't get het up about it. So, what when I think about playing together, the frame I talk about with playing together is is the idea of of children. It's that it's that sensation of feeling of walking up to somebody's door and knocking on the door and saying, "Do you want to come out and play?" And it's the idea that that is the frame where possibility opens up. It's just a mental mm -hmm. frame that we had as children where I, I think tied into that activity of, you know, wide-eyed, you know, do you want to come out and play? Yeah. And grabbing coats and ru rushing off into the sun sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there was, there was a wide-eyed uh, anticipation of the unknown. So we were anticipating... Uh, the prospect of not knowing what was coming next, but we had a really open frame to that. Uh, that was because we were fed by a shared sense of curiosity. We fed off one another's sense yeah. of adventure. Mm. Um, uh, it was part and parcel of that experience. Um, and as a result of this, we grew, but we were, we were open to wider and wider frames. And here's the point. I think that when we become adults, we start to become absolute in the idea of uh, we find out or we think we find out the answer to some questions. So you start off as a kid not knowing and then you find out that one plus one equals two, for example, yeah. and you go, ah, and OK, now, now I know something. And, and, and that has its benefits. But I think there are plenty of areas where we might find an answer, but we start we now have the opportunity to think wider that we go we found an answer as opposed to the answer there might be absolutes in our lives that do crop up and maybe one plus one equals two is one of those senses of absoluteness wonderful but there are so many things where we've decided on the answer and rather than thinking that this is an answer we think it's the answer so when anybody comes along and says oh have you thought about here's an alternative point of view 
our mindset is that we are now suddenly challenged by the other thought process because we're right. And now because they're suggesting something else, that has to be a challenge to our rightness. And if it goes a stage further, we've linked our thinking, you know, the stuff that we think to our sense of who we are. Mm. Not only are you challenging a thought I'm having, you're challenging me. So it's this idea of if we start to learn to think wider about things, it's not thinking differently. It's now no longer in conflict with you. But my thought process is it's a yes and. I don't know if you've come across this simple linguistic thing. So most people do no but in conversation. You, yeah. you say something, yeah. their reply is no, 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 no. But. But, yeah, or but, no. But, 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 no. And then off they go into different tangents. So you've got the no's and the buts. But there's just a, a better way is yes and. So it doesn't matter what you say. I just go, yes, because I'm in agreement with you mm. think that. Yeah. And I can, I can totally get behind that's your thought. Of course I can. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I can see value in your thought because I was listening, not just waiting, (laughs) (laughs) waiting desperately to club you with the correct response, you fool. Yeah, I was listening because why wouldn't I? Exactly. I think no but sounds like it keeps up perimeters for your own sort of like way of thinking as well. And then just, yes, yes, and retain dreams. Exactly. Yes, and. Yeah. yeah, and and this other way of thinking too, um, and I was very good for a long time. And don't don't get me wrong, this is this is my growth. So I only think that way because my life experience has brought me to this point. And mm. part of that was meeting great people who made me think differently, and 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 then looking back and realizing that all the great people who made me think differently, particularly ones that challenged my thinking, and this, oh, do you know what? This is you, you will be knocked over by how astonishing this, 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 this gem of truth I'm about to say is. Uh, and how, we, how could we possibly have missed it for so long? We didn't, by the way, we've known this forever. Um, <laughs> uh, they, all, they, all became, they all became my friends first. They all, they all got to know me and built a relationship yeah. with me as a human being with shared interests and curiosities. And then at that point, through the lens of relationship and love, they then said, do you know what, James? I think you're wrong about this and here's why. And I went, oh, do you know what? I'll listen to you because I respect your opinion and because I know you already care about me. Ah, what a beautiful thing. And as a result, we both changed our minds on lots of stuff. Uh, and it turns out that human beings have been doing that for, for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who'd have thought it? And, and there was me thinking that what I had to do was sort of just, just repeatedly beat you with the truth. <laughs> well, I think preachers could take uh, a lot of lessons from here. <laughs> Anybody who's trying to address a room or something like that. It is more of a personal thing, isn't it? That's how you listen half the time. Yeah. Not necessarily how loud you are or... No. Uh, But I think most things are just down to it's that sense of relationship. But but also within that sense of relationship, it's being being okay with... um, I love the idea that... um, And and this will sit well with you because of the whole sort of uh, 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 Sherlock... Uh, a connection uh, and the literary uh, connection uh, but I love the um, the idea in, in Shakespeare all the world is a stage I, I love that that 
that concept that, 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 that we are we are all playing a part there is a, there is an act going on and we all have a part to play and and the more we play our parts correctly and and we we listen to one another um, and we understand the pacing of each other and the motivation behind the characters and all the other things that you can actually learn from from actually really thinking about that analysis of play um, in that in that sense of theater um, uh, it's it's a wonderful frame. It's a wonderful idea, <clears throat> um, uh, but we are we are interconnected in that sense, and it is therefore within all of our interests to to think primarily on the level of relationship. To think on this idea that we all have a different part to play, and not to begrudge one another the idea of different parts to play, uh, and we we kind of boil these things down to the weirdest. Sort of you know oh it's because you're a male or a female and it's like oh look th there might be a correlation there might be a correlation in, in some bell curve that says and and, and, yeah, and if you wanted to look retrospectively at something you can kind of go oh yeah it turns out that over time more men have fallen into a certain category of thinking or acting or working but in and of itself that's not really the point each individual mm. It was either the right individual for the job or they weren't. They were the right part of this team, this collective moment, or they weren't. They either gave uh, of themselves or they didn't. Uh, and these are the things that matter. And bringing the best out of one another and giving each other the best opportunity uh, to be. I think it just, again, it's in every single sense, it's, it's how we learned, it's how we developed. Um, uh, and even bringing this little conversation back as a circle for you, uh, <clears throat> even down to the idea that when we were born, uh, we had no negative framing, generally speaking. So healthy uh, adolescence uh, and growth uh, has no real negative framing. Um, all it has is positive attention, love, galore, um, and no internal dialogue of self-doubt, which is the perfect vortex for learning. Yeah, so you look at a child, that, that walks. I think walking is a wonderful example of this. A child gets up and walks and what happens is there's a selection of muscles in the body that need to work in a certain harmonious way and they need to be strong enough to physically take on the job. That's kind of what walking is. Uh, and there's some balance going on and there's other centers of the brain that's working, but this is what walking is. <clears throat> How do they do it? Well, they've just basically sat on their asses and watched lots of other humans walk around them constantly since the moment they were born. Uh, uh, there is a biological imperative towards that action. So they're constantly being just mentally propelled upright, even though they don't even know that's going on. They will stand even if nobody shows them how to, generally speaking. Um, um, and uh, each step that they take and each, each moment of they get stronger, they're not met with, oh, never mind, better luck next time, Bobby. They're met with, hey, brilliant. Just like every step of the way. Oh, that's wonderful. And we were excited for you. And, and, the, and, and the child is excited to carry on no matter what happens. And falling makes, falling is just part and parcel of getting stronger to stand. And it's nothing's framed negatively. And there's no sense that the child is thinking, oh, what will people think? Oh my goodness me, I looked so terrible when I fell. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a loss of self-worth uh, as a result of what I think other people might think. And all of these things work so that we learn something incredibly complex, incredibly complex. And here's the other thing. <clears throat> Did you need to know any of the theory or technical stuff to be able to walk? No. Any of it? 
Did you need to comprehend any of the muscle groupings in your body that require that, that, that were going to actually propel you to your feet? Did you need to understand the neurological makeup that allowed those systems to communicate? No. No. Did you need to understand how you were going to learn the thing that you were going to learn? Did you need to have that meta understanding of the process of learning? No, no, <laughs> no none, literally none of the above. Yeah. They all came later. Yeah. They, they, they were all post hoc. They were all added on after yeah. the fact. And, and that felt good. And you kind of went, Oh, that's that, that was interesting. Now I understand you know how my muscles work and and from that i can i can do more of course i can extrapolate and do further things with that but it, i didn't need it for the active activity of walking and again we're back to this idea of we sometimes i think have our attention on the wrong thing when it comes mm. to learning to do something and i get academia and i get the absolute value and there's nothing in my statement that is going down the line of saying you don't need to bother learning anything it's not what i've said I said that it doesn't have to begin with that. And I think sometimes we are better off allowing our elephant, not the rider, not the academic sat on top, but the elephant itself, just to veer in that direction and just see how it feels and get used to it and make the whole thing comfortable. Because the one thing where we learn at our best or the one way that we learn at our best is when we are without tension, fundamentally. Human beings learn at their best when we are just without tension and we, and, we, and we get to that point of just being okay with a thing. And the moment that we are okay with a thing and we get rid of all of those doubts and uncertainties, it's like our brain goes, right, now I can just excel. Now I can, I can add and, and ramp up. And it's this idea of, um, and I had this conversation recently with somebody and I can't remember who it was and it might even have been you. So forgive me if it was, uh, but it's this idea of if somebody said to me, uh, and I wrote this in my book years ago, if somebody said to me, um, uh, can you fly a, a helicopter? My answer was actually yes, rather than no, because, because their question was, can you, the question isn't necessarily, can you right now? And if somebody ran over to me and went, my friend is dying on the side of the road, somebody's left a helicopter behind. Can you take us to the hospital? My answer is no, no, I really can't. I'd love to, but I'm terribly sorry. I absolutely can't. <clears throat> but this was about a framing. This was about the idea that if somebody said, can you fly a helicopter? My answer would be, yes, I can. Uh, I, I mean, how and, and what that journey would look like, I have not the foggiest idea. <laughs> but do I have the capacity? Can I fly a helicopter? And the answer is, yes, yes, I think I probably can. Yeah. And, and actually, I'm better off at this stage with the mentality of, yes, I can but still not knowing what that journey will look like than starting mm. off with the mentality, oh, no, no, I can't do that. It's actually that very activity alone, even though I don't know it's done this, that activity of thinking like that has just shut a door. Yeah. And now the chances of me going through that door or even knowing the door exists to be opened again is, is, is diminished in my thinking, uh, in my reality, in the way that I experience um, the truth of this existence in my thinking okay and that's kind of why i think that it always starts with the framing there you go i mean it's almost like the entire podcast we could just wrap up <laughs> with one question and go home uh, i mean it's great that'll do, that'll do. It's, it's i mean honestly it's not going to get better than that that really i've beat some people some people some people listening are going you peaked a while ago mate <laughs> 
A little bit more self-awareness, Mr. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> but those, those those were the words that that stuck with me, you know. And um, it, it comes back to the the very first thing I saw of you, which is with it was in the Pot of Jam DVD, and um, uh, this will mean more to to some people than it will to others. But when it came to that effect, where the you know, the, the jam appeared. And there was the the explanation regarding how it got there. Uh, it was very much a put it in your hand. <laughs> and there was this moment where, like, you were expecting everybody to be thinking. Um. I, I suppose. I suppose part of it. Part of it was that, as I look looking back now, I think part of it was that I, I at the time I, to some degree intuitively understood something but I didn't I didn't know what it was I was I was understanding yeah. I was because I was living it I was doing something you know for uh, my, my journey as a magician was I I, I stepped in at uh, sort of university years uh, in I don't know what I was like 20 or something um, <clears throat> with a, 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 an almost empty magical toolkit I had I'd, I'd worked out I mean I'm, I'm not kidding I'd worked out like four moves and I'd worked out four moves based on one trick and I'll tell you the trick it was a trick called be honest what is it uh, which is the Eddie Fector trick made popular by um, David Blaine on his first TV special where he, he gave somebody two queens to hold on to and he kind of yeah. swapped them over and asked them which one was which and then when they turned over there were two completely different cards well that trick for those of you who know it uh, essentially teaches you realistically it teaches you two moves and one principle uh and with those two moves it teaches you uh, uh and uh, one principle i then just worked out four or five tricks not that hard to do you know you add in a shuffle of a you know a false shuffle of some basic description a card control of some basic description that i'd literally picked out of a book in the library uh, when I was trying to work out this other trick that I'd seen on television and I did all of the above um, and then I got a job in a restaurant um, working as a table magician uh, with just nothing other than an understanding that I could talk to people and I could bluff my way through it and I knew right back then that four tricks I didn't need more than four things I just didn't you know I could, I could chat with them I could engage them I was also I also started to make up stuff and because I didn't have a magic background I, I hadn't grown up in a magic circle I hadn't gone to any magic clubs frankly at this stage I probably I, I was only vaguely aware that magic societies even existed I, I you know the only the only uh, library had I had access to was what the local library offered me uh, in the way of information uh, so I then I then came up with different things because for me it was all about misdirection. It was all about communication. And one of my earliest tricks was um, making somebody's drink vanish from the bar. And it was just um, sorry. The only thing is I've got that are the same, which is two two vape juice bottles. Let's assume that <laughs> that basically just imagine this. It's a really simple thing. You just imagine somebody stood at the bar with a pint of a pint of beer on the bar. Mm -hmm. Just some guy at the bar. You walk up next to them and you order the same drink, but you don't make a big deal that it's the same drink. It's just an, a, a pint of a pint of the same kind of thing, you know. And what you do is you drink your drink down to the level of their drink, and then you 
you just you catch a moment so you don't make something happen you wait for something that just will happen and you but you just you're just ready for it and the way that you're ready for it is that you have to be totally relaxed into it if you're tense for it waiting for it you you'll telegraph it horribly and it'll just botch the whole key was and this was the understanding this is where i kind of began and this was the psychology university and all that kind of stuff that I was doing at the time I just knew that if I was totally relaxed and I just did it as if it was nothing literally as if it were mine was the point as if mm. it were mine I got away with this so as soon as his attention just flicked and that's all I wanted maybe somebody scored on the on the on the, on the TV and he was like oh no just for that second I would take my drink and drop it down by my side and move his drink to where mine was and just leave my hand resting on it as I continued reading my book or my paper yeah or, or just you know looking absent-mindedly through the glass window whatever it was but for him what's happened what's happened is his in his vision the only thing that's changed is that his drink has disappeared from existence so what happens for him is one second he's got his drink he has his drink he glances at the tv he goes oh no and he looks back and his drink is gone and everything else is exactly as it should be <laughs> So now he will go through a process because everybody will. It's just, it, 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 it is literally, everybody does the same thing at this point. The instant that happens is suspicion number one, me. Of course it is. Boom, straight at me. Yeah. Was this you? But he doesn't get to engage with me because I'm clearly just totally in my own bubble with my own drink and nothing is untoward nothing is out of place there's no hesitation i'm not tense i'm not hiding anything i'm just looking out the window just totally relaxed and groovy or i'm reading my book so immediately he dismisses me and this is a beat a fraction of a second it's literally mm. what on earth ah not you looks down the bar it's not the the the, the person at the bar and then what's the third thing he does because it's the only thing he's got left he turns around yeah. Have a guess what happens here. <laughs> you put it back. Boom. <laughs> back to my own little world. <laughs> and, and, and what makes this work is, so again, a trial and error. So if I did this, if I took too long, if, if it was gone for too long, it was definitely gone. And therefore, when it came back, it was, hey, come on, mate, stop pissing around with my drink. And, and, and now, it's, now I had to manage this moment to make sure it didn't go south because it could have done at that point. Of course, of course. it could go south. Uh, and, that, and when that happened, that was its own test of, of, of how do I play somebody? How do I read somebody? How am I attentive to them to such a degree that I can gently steer them without them knowing that they're being steered to a place of being calmer? And yeah. I, I weirdly kind of found that fascinating as well. As, but part of this was, by the way, segue here, I was, I was learning to be a psychiatric nurse. So having to deal with talking yeah. people down was actually a skill I really needed to hone. And mm. as sadistic as it might <laughs> sound <laughs> on, from, from their point of view, um, going out and practicing on, on unsuspecting strangers in bars because they were drunk was yeah. actually not, it's not a bad comparative experience. So there was, there was madness to the method uh, or method to yeah. the madness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so yes, uh, uh, all those experiences all fed in uh, to me. Um, what's the matter, Charlie Bear? Basically, I can't play sports. 
you're going to have to wait, love. We won't be long, okay? Just be patient for 10 more minutes. There you go, folks. You've got a time limit <laughs> dictated by me and my son. Uh, I don't, let's, do, let's, do, let's do 10 minutes more of, of, of whatever we can. But uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, for those of you who know me, by the way, for those of you who've tuned into this wonderful podcast and go, actually, we know this person already. Uh, life has changed radically. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at, uh, you know, because of this pandemic, I, I was in the past a magician a hypnotist and a pickpocket and all sorts of other things these these days I'm, I'm happy i'm happy just to get by and be a dad and be a human yeah. being um and and philosophically i've i very much changed my thinking to now seeing things as uh things that i do rather than things that i am um uh, and that's been a big change that i i, I realized as i look back that uh being a magician uh, dictated my existence for an awful long time and I'm not sure that was the, the healthiest of, of ways to live. And now I look at it as it's something that I do. And therefore, if I'm not doing it, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference. You know, I'm still me, uh, whether I do it or don't do it. And I'm still me doing lots of other things now too. Uh, and having a, a, a more wider <laughs> life. Because uh, I think that's slightly healthier as well. Uh, in lots of ways. So yeah. I think like, uh, because from an outside point of view i'm not a performer i do like all the editing and stuff for ben and i'm even to this day i'm still hounding ben on like how he approaches certain people and i suppose in your way like a lot of like past history comes into it like you said like with training to be a psychiatrist and the nursing and stuff like that it sounds like there was a lot of compassion that began a lot of that journey for you but as a performer when you're entering a room or you're talking to people uh, one thing I've asked Ben is how did you manage to sort of get in there and know what to do and talk to people and keep people on your level? Uh, and I ask him the same thing when it's just a one-on-one -on -one thing, like how do you sort of find a way to engage with them? My, that's, my point, that's my point though. It's, it's a reversal of thinking. Yeah. Mm. I'm not trying to think about anything that I'm going to say. I'm not, I'm not coming into it thinking, do I have these skills? I, I'm coming in knowing that I do have all these skills. And what I'm, what I'm spending all of my time in is focusing on not letting this get in the way of that fact. Yeah. Not letting it out in my, my you know, that those feelings that manifest themselves into thoughts, which then manifest themselves back into feelings and so on. And, you know, yeah. the, the, the cycle of my own bad thinking. Um, you know, I've looked a lot at um, uh, cognitive behavioral um, uh, therapies because I think there's a lot to be said about uh, pulling apart your thoughts, about recognizing that your thoughts aren't you, that, that you know, um, uh, and, and to me, this is a much healthier way that, that look, you know, I, I, I've, I know I've got 44 years now to, to, to draw on in anything I do, but even 20 years ago, I knew I had 24 years to draw on. You know, I, I knew I could speak. So I, I meet people who go, oh, I could never do public speaking. And I'm thinking, you're doing all right, right now. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing surprisingly well. You are, you are every day of your life, you are able to just conjure up sentences that have meaning. And the best part is, if you really think about it, you're not really sure where those words are coming from. They just appear. Yeah? You don't know where your last thought came from. It just happened it, it just came up to your awareness and you engaged with it and you communicated it or you didn't communicate it uh, and, and even the words I'm saying 
there's no sense that I've gone backwards and I've prepared what I'm about to say. They're, they're just, they're happening. It's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? This tool that we, that we have access to. And the only thing that gets in the way of this innate ability that we have, and don't forget it is an innate ability that we've then fleshed out with, with the, the, the experience of doing. You know, you are innately able to speak. That doesn't mean that you were born speaking, but you are innately able to do it. Yeah, it's the ability is there. All the functions are there, and it's now about usage. It's about, uh, uh, but mainly it's about not getting in the way. It's not. It's not having the thought process that says I can't do something. And, and as you know, as hypnotists uh, uh, know, you know, if I stick your hand to the table, it's not because I've, I'm using magical language and with all due respect to the hypnists out there that believe that the words that you say are important they're not grow up these aren't spells uh you know that's you know just just think for goodness sake oh, it's it's because of the the words i use and the tonality that i use it's what makes it work no it doesn't that's you're defining a spell yeah and these aren't <laughs> the middle ages grow up all right I, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush here these aren't spells so it's not that that's going on at all but what is going on is the simple idea that your brain, your brain doesn't really know the difference between its thinking and its reality. And it's really good at mimicking the two experiences and creating its best vision of worlds for you. So if you put your hand down on a service surface and you really imagine it's stuck, not as a passive thing, but as an active thing, what your body will do is it will mimic that experience for you. And it will do that by pushing down, spreading the fingers out, and you will just get a physiological sensation of feedback of your hand being stuck. And now the only thing that needs to happen for this to be experienced involuntarily is for the knowledge of you pushing your hand down to no longer filter up to your level of awareness. And that's not a big deal because this crap loads that you're doing currently that doesn't filter up to the level of your awareness until your attention is drawn to it. The example I always make is until I mention it right now, you weren't aware of the feeling of the fabric of your undergarments on your body, but now you are. <laughs> now you're very much as soon as she all said of it. A sudden, all of a sudden, <laughs> holy crap, I've got pants on. I'd forgotten about that. And it's not, it's not funny. I mean, I, I use it as a, as a funny example. Um, but it's, it's purely because, again, this is just this is how we work. This is how attention works uh, mm. uh, and how and how belief affects our reality uh, more than pretty much anything else does. You know, and it, it is. But again, nothing new here. You know, we all know this adage. If you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, you're right. <laughs> you know, you can't. Mm. Um, and, and whilst that is, is still an oversimplification of a concept, it, it, there's truth behind it. And that's the point. It's a good anecdotal analogy uh, for something that has truth, but is more complex than just that, of course. Uh, so, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's let's I think, again, maybe my point, if there is a point, if I have any points at all, which I generally don't. But if I do have any points, it would be. Um, understand that the the world you live in is literally a uh, a projection that you see through it so you you're, you're seeing through a filter <clears throat> and and the filter is already in place before you see so don't think that you're 
aware of the filter because you're not. The filter is already there before you're at your experience of sight has taken place. So as a result of that, you know, you, we have to understand that reality is, 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 is not really what I'm seeing and experiencing. There's, there's layers and filters that, that I have no control over. And I need to A, be compassionate with myself because I am wrong about my vision of reality. But as a result of that, I also need to be compassionate with you because it turns out your vision of reality is just as skewed and as wrong as mine is. And the only way that we actually learn as human beings is not to run around going, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, and even down to even down to things where we are ostensibly right about something like, you know, I, look, I, I'm a religious person. I, I have a religious faith, a background, a belief system, uh, but I try not to be a dick about it as best as possible. Um, um, but, but I'm also a realist as well in the sense that, you know, I know there's stacks of evidence for evolutionary theory and an old, 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 old earth. So I'm not going to be a monstrous fool and go, no, the earth was made in seven days, six, if you want to be accurate. And God had a nice kip on the seventh one. And you're like, oh, come on. You know, even if you believe in a, in a theological thing, just really. Um, so, but, but even saying that, I think even down to those level debates and arguments, we're, we're making a mistake. Because actually, I think what it turns out is that true intelligence if there is such a thing is when all of us realize that we are all seeing the world through this utterly subjective and false veneer which is largely out of our control it's you know this stuff happens to us we don't have free will in that fullest sense of you know every thought and experience i have i have control over there is you know, I, I find i've done stuff and after i've done it i'm like oh no i've done that again what was i thinking and we all have this experience of the stuff we wish we wouldn't do but we do anyway um so I think we can have a lot more compassion. I think when we all come together and start to share those experiences more, the more of us that do that, the more of us who openly share our vision as, look, this is how I'm seeing it. How are, how are you seeing it? Oh, you're seeing it that way. What about you? What about you? Oh my goodness me, let's pull these. And the more the people that share all of these resources of what we all imagine, the more we're likely to have some semblance of idea of what really is going on. And you know what that sounds like? And this is the irony of me as a Christian saying this, that sounds like the basis of the scientific principle, doesn't it? in largely let's 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 all pull these resources and then let's all look at it and objectively decide what what kind of stands up to the most you know uh, uh you know the best thing but let's not throw stuff out either because the other thing about science is that you know you know I, I i find it hilariously funny the amount of scientists i meet who are kind of slightly embarrassed by like the kind of the dawkins-esque yeah. not dawkins personally but the dawkins-esque yeah sort of mentality that goes on which is like hang on a minute you do realize that look look i get it but but kind of like 
had this great conversation with somebody recently. Do you teach your child about Christianity? And I kind of like, well, well, yeah. And before I had a chance to say anything else, he jumped on me with this idea of, oh, you know, you're brainwashing your child. And I'm like, oh, what did you teach your child? He says, I teach my son science. And I went, oh, you teach your son science, uh, you know, as if it's right. And he went, absolutely. And I'm like, excellent. And and do you think his six-year-old mind conceives that? No, no. You, you, you are brainwashing him. You're brainwashing him with what you think is right. He's not got choice here, has he? You didn't lay before him um, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, <laughs> Islam, other Christian and, and spiritual views, and threw science into the middle of one of the options. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, can we... Can we all be a little bit more honest about this? And again, I think this is part and parcel of it. It's like, come on, can we stop playing this ridiculous zero-sum game as if as if any of us are really behaving any differently? <laughs> we're just <Sure>. not. <laughs> you know? But we're all very good at, at uh, post-hoc reasoning. You know? We're all yeah. astonishingly good at just making it seem like our ideas were good ones. Uh, there we go. Sorry, this got all very kind of, you know, Buddha on a hillside uh, uh, meaning of life philosophy. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. There's a thing that I have to say at the end of everything that I say, because I, I kind of think it is important to say it, and that is, um, uh, these are just these are just ideas. That's, that's all. They're just thoughts. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing profound about them uh, that, you know, you either find use to them or you don't. They either resonate or they don't. Um, uh, yeah. But most importantly, I might be wrong. And I'm I'm at, I'm genuinely fine with that. And, and if I can if I can kind of wrap my ideas up uh, with one final word of, of of advice for what it is, and that would be be okay, be okay with being wrong and the unknown that that will create in your life. Be okay with it. Nothing terrible happens. And actually, I would argue, a lots of good things begin to happen when we just sit back with a sense of. I'm okay with being wrong about this, that I'm not, I'm not affected by my thoughts in that way. And they don't define who I am anyway. So do you know what, if it turns out I'm wrong about something, great. <laughs> just great. Think, think of it as an opportunity for growth. So listen, yeah. seriously, I've, I've had such, such a wonderful wonderfully insightful moment this morning that I That's initially right. initially when I got up I was very sort of oh god so tired <laughs> I just realized how long this podcast has gone on for because at the beginning of that you introduced this as good evening to everybody and now you've just closing it off with oh it's been a wonderful morning how long did this go on for <laughs> Days and nights have passed the whole time. <laughs> in the middle of this, you just want to end, edit in one of those kind of fades to black. <laughs> just the, 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 the cycle of the earth. Or <laughs> we should just like Photoshop your son coming in, but he's now a fully grown man. <laughs> Charlie goes out and comes back in from university. <laughs> This is my oh, wife. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Right. So, uh, yeah, listen, th thanks for your time, mate. I truly Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, it's been and great. Uh, Thank you. we'll talk to you all soon, guys. Tune in next time. Cheers, guys. <laughs>